0: Amen. Well, take your Bibles. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm a pastor here. It is my awesome privilege. I love doing this. We just uh, I get to preach the Bible, and so I want you to open up your Bibles and go with me to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14. I know, unfortunately, uh, summer is over, uh, but that also means that we are getting ready to start a, uh, a new school year, and next week we start a new Ministry year, which I'm really fired up about because that means that this year new people are going to come to harvest. You know that? Like, what's really cool is like we just keep seeing like new people showing up every week. Love that. And that means we have an awesome opportunity this year. And I want to get really serious about this we have an opportunity to create a culture of invitation. A culture of invitation, the kind of place where we just naturally invite other people. Now, why would we want to do that? Well, we'll think about, uh, has there ever been a time when you've gotten an invitation to a party or an event that you were really excited about? I don't know if it was like a a birthday party, like one of those other two-year-old birthday parties that you get to go to that you're so fired up that you get to go to that or whether it was a wedding or, or a shower or, or guys, if you got like tickets to a game or something along those lines where you were just fired up and excited because somebody said, hey, I want you to be there. Well, just imagine what it feels like for people who come on Sundays because somebody just said to them, you know what, I just, I love what God is doing in my church. Uh, it's so exciting. I would love for you to be there. Why don't you come to church with me? And they got the invitation and they came imagine what it feels like for people who walk in on Sundays and genuinely feel welcomed. Like, legit, these people want me here. Like, I, they're, they're excited that I'm here. Imagine what that must feel like. Imagine what it would feel like for people to uh, be in conversation with some people. They've been coming for a couple of weeks, and they get into conversation, and somebody says, hey, why don't you come with me to my small group? I, I, we meet on Tuesday nights. It's just incredible. We got this awesome group of people we meet together. It's a good community. It would mean so much to us if." You would be there. We would love for you to show up. Imagine if we had that kind of culture. But also imagine if the opposite was true. Imagine if people never felt welcomed and never felt wanted and they kind of felt left out instead, like, like awkward outsiders that obviously don't belong to the inner circle that we have going on. Hey, which, kind of, uh, which kind of culture do we want to have here at Harvest? pretty obvious, right? I believe that if you come to harvest, if you decide this is going to be your church, I believe that you can grow here. We are a church that takes our mission seriously, that we exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission, which means we make Disciples. If you're coming here, I believe that you can grow as a disciple. My question this morning is Are we inviting people to come and to grow here? Are we doing that? Like, we have a a process for growing as disciples. And I'm sure you have heard of this process. We try to, listen, we don't have a whole lot of programs. We don't have a whole lot going on. We're not one of those churches that you like open up the the menu and and there's just programs and all sorts of stuff going on. It's kind of like discipleship a la carte. We have a simple process that if you plug in and you're a part of this, you're engaged in this, we believe mature disciples are going to grow when they worship Christ. And when they, come on, say it, walk with Christ, and when they work for Christ. That's our process. That's how we grow as disciples. And so we keep it really simple about what we do around here, how, how we're trying to help you engage in that process in what that looks like. And so we've even programmed around that. So so uh, around here at Harvest, we say this, we would love for you to come on, on Sundays. We, we want you to engage on Sunday morning worship. And I realized that, that, that worship is not just like one day. It is a lifestyle where I'm giving glory to God with the way that I live. And yet there's something special about the fact that we gather together here and, and we are saying, God, you are worthy to be worshiped. And we gather under the preaching of his word and lift high the name of Jesus. It's awesome when we do that. And it's never just another Sunday at harvest. We're expecting to meet with God when we gather together as his people. And that's that's awesome. We want people to be here on Sunday mornings worshiping. But we also want people to walk with Christ in community. And we do that in our small groups. And and we meet throughout the week. We have groups that are meeting on Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursday. And and, and that's the time that we get. and, And the reason we do that is because there's a lot of one another's in Scripture like love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, bear one another, all those one another's in Scripture. Here's the problem. It's, it's kind of hard to do all the one another's on a Sunday morning. In fact, it's pretty easy to walk in here on Sunday and slip right back out and you never want another to anybody. So we want you to come and engage in a small group of people seeing real change in your life because you have real relationships with real people. That's what's going on in small groups. We want people to walk with Christ in community and then we want to get them serving. We want to help them plug in and start using their gifts giving, and go. We we have a mission here, and we want to serve the body of Christ and serve the Lord. That's, if if you're engaged in those things, you're going to grow as a disciple. But the reason I have this up here is because I want you to notice these these little arrows here. These, these, These arrows are actually really, really important because the arrows represent movement in the process of becoming a disciple, a mature and growing disciple. And the problem is, not everybody moves naturally into the next step in the process. Sometimes they need a little help. Sometimes they need an invitation. Sometimes they need somebody to come alongside of them and say, "Like, Hey, man, I really want you to come on Sunday, see what God is doing. I really want you to be there in my small group. Come check out what we're doing. I want to I serve with you. We're, we're, we're doing some awesome work for the kingdom. Come and be a part of this. We uh, my, my my question then is like who's who's responsible for the arrows? Who does who does that work? That's that's the pastor's job, right? Like that's it's it's all you know, pastor's gonna do all that, like getting everybody no, like the 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 the, the word of God tells us that God has given uh, the elders, the teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So my job is to help you understand the importance of this. What an awesome thing. That's where we'd start to get a culture of invitation if we all started to realize those arrows, they're not just my responsibility. That's my opportunity to help somebody and invite them to grow in following Christ. I can help invite somebody to grow in their relationship with Christ. Think you can do that? Come on, somebody lift up your voice and say, I can do that. That's the spirit. All right. So what's it going to take for us to create a culture of invitation? Let me give you the big idea that we're looking at here in Luke chapter 14 this morning. Here's our big idea. God uses our humility, love, and urgency to invite others to follow him. God uses our humility, love, and urgency to invite others to follow him. So he's going to use us. And I just want to ask that the Lord would bless the reading of his word. Father, we, we, we give you praise for uh, what you've already done, that we... we see the resurrected King. And we give you praise and glory for that. We love that when we come here, we're asking and expecting to meet with you. And Lord, we would love to see your glory this morning. It's never just another Sunday at Harvest. And Lord, we, 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 we relish the fact that we're seeing you working in our midst. We're seeing people's lives change. We want to see more of that, Lord. So would you even use us, would you stir our hearts that we would start to develop a culture of invitation in our church but we just be excited to tell other people about you and that you would use us. Speak to us even this morning and we'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in Luke chapter 14. Uh, I'm going to be right here in verse 7 and I want to give you three ingredients to create a culture of invitation. Here's three ingredients. Let me give you one. When you get invited, here's the first one. When you get invited, don't make it all about you. When you get invited, don't make it all about you. I'm here in Luke 14, starting in verse seven. Luke says, now uh, Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest somebody more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now here's what I'm going to do. I have a special treat for you. I have a video that I want to show you because this is the way that I learned this uh, passage of scripture when I was a kid. When I was a kid, there was this little, uh, there, there was this show called McGee and Me. Anybody ever heard of McGee and Me? Well, we got some McGee and Me fans. This is really exciting. So I'm, you're, you're gonna go back and dive into my childhood. And the reason I'm having you watch this is because you'll never forget it, all right? We're just gonna visualize this text. Watch this.
1: And noticing that all who came to the dinner were trying to sit near the head of the table. He gave them this advice. If you are invited to a wedding feast, don't always head for the best seat. then you shows up, the host will bring him over to where you are sitting and say, let this man sit here instead. Uh, here? And you, embarrassed, will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. <laughs> Do this instead. Start at the foot of the table. And when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place than this for you. thus he will be honored in front of all the other guests for everyone who tries to honor himself shall be humbled and he who humbles himself shall be honored so
0: Sunday morning cartoons the danger in this is that you will never remember anything that I said to you but you'll remember that right you'll never forget it right so here's what's going on here Jesus tells a parable verse 7 and he actually tells us why he decides to tell them a parable here's the reason when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. So here's what's going on. Jesus walks into this room and the party's already going on. They got the chips and salsa out on the coffee table and, and, and they're all like sitting around the big screen watching the, the, the big game or, or like chariot race or whatever it was that they would have been watching. And, and he just notices he's watching them. They're all fighting over the big Italian leather recliner sitting in the middle, right in front of the big screen. And, and, and I'm, I like this is Uh, it's a Sabbath party with a bunch of Pharisees. I know that that's not exactly how it went, but you get the point, right? Jesus is watching them scramble for the best seat in the house, the place of position, the place of honor, the place of significance and attention. And so he decides he's going to tell them this parable about a wedding. Now here's the deal. If you go to a wedding, you ever been to a wedding? If you go to a wedding, don't go and sit at the table right next to the bride and groom at the reception because at some point you decide that that's the seat you're going to pick probably the wedding coordinator is going to come up at some and be like listen bro i'm really sorry but uh you know we we need grandma and uncle louie to sit here so you're going to have to go and like now there's like nowhere for you to sit so you're going to have to go stand in the back that guy wanted everybody to see him he wanted to be noticed he wanted people to see like oh he's he's connected he's He's in, he's important, he's he's popular, he's got a lot of... He wanted everybody to see him, but now he's embarrassed as everybody's staring at him while he makes the walk of shame to the back. And Jesus says, don't do that. He says, verse 10, he says, when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. Now, that's just kind of common sense, right? But that is, that is not some slick PR move by Jesus. Uh, th- th- this is uh, not just a subtle social strategy for success. You've got to make it seem and appear like you don't really care. Like, like you just try to act like you're humble so that way you'll be noticed and you'll ultimately end up on top. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is highlighting is the upside-down nature of his kingdom. Pride and seeking your own honor are toxic to God's community. But man, when I get invited, I just got to tell you, it is so natural for me to make it all about me. But nothing kills a culture of invitation faster than a spirit of pride, superiority, and self-interest. Nothing kills a culture of invitation faster than that. You ever been to a uh, a small group that's been hijacked by a meme monster? We, we've talked about the meme monster. He shows up a lot around here, doesn't he? The Meme the Monster, you, you know the Meme Monster. The Meme Monster is the type of person that shows up, and as soon as they get the opportunity, as soon as they get the platform and and, and everybody stops talking, it's their turn, and they open up their mouth, and every time they open up their mouth, it's just me, 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 Everything they say is about them, and it might be awesome. They might be telling you how wonderful they are. Their stories always trump yours. You, like They've got like this incredible life, or it just they might be miserable, and they just want you to be as miserable as them, but everything that they say is about me, right? And, and nobody likes to see uh, the me monster in other people. We hate it when we see other people acting like that. But somehow we feel justified or, or maybe it just becomes so natural that we don't really notice it in ourselves when I'm making it all about me. And I think that the, these Pharisees, like deep down, uh, they, they knew that they were all kind of scrambling for honor and, and, and self-seeking and and trying to have the best. They kind of probably realized it, but they thought it was acceptable. This is just what you do in society. This is what you have to do to get on top. And Jesus, in this moment, he's just kind of watching this all happen, and he just calls them out all at once. Party foul. (laughs) Like, I'm sure, like, that wasn't super comfortable for everybody, right? Because now the emperor has no clothes, and everybody's kind of embarrassed. But we always dog on the Pharisees. They're, They're a bunch of hypocrites, and I, we, nobody wants to be like them, but um, sometimes if we, can we just admit that sometimes I make it about me too. Here's a couple of ways that I can make it about me. One is that when I want people to see me, I want people to see me. I'm craving recognition. I want the job that gets noticed. I don't want to be, like, changing diapers in the back in the nursery. Like, nobody wants that job. That's not glorious, right? I want the job where, like, singing solos on the stage in the worship team, right? Or, or like, I, I want that kind of job where everybody's going to see what an awesome person I am. Like, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of recognition I'm craving. And I know some of you are, like, you, you think that you're off the hook because you're, like, oh, no, I would never want to be on stage. I'm, like, I don't, I don't want that. I, 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 I hate being in front of people. Well, even even people that don't really want to be on stage, if we're honest, a lot of times, if I'm honest, whatever I do, I do want people to be impressed. And I want people to like praise me. I want people to tell me what a great job I've done. And I want people to tell me how I'm so indispensable and I'm so awesome. And like, I, I love hearing people tell me how, how great I am. I really enjoy that. Praise. I just crave wanting uh, that attention and that recognition this is the person in your small group that has the humble brag down you know that guy like the the humble brag like we're we're, we're, we're going around and having prayer requests and and, and we're, we're just everybody's like going from one to the next and and it gets to that guy with the humble brag and he's like well i just like to pray for the 15 people that i share the gospel with on my way to small group tonight and That squirrel that I rescued yesterday, oh, I've been given an opportunity to pray in front of the mayor's office. He commented on what an upstanding and model citizen I am and I'm just really thankful, I guess, for my testimony in the community. Praise the Lord. Everybody else is just kind of like, oh gosh, I don't know, I had a bad day. That guy wants that attention. He wants you to be like, wow, that guy, he's like super spiritual. Like, Look what he's doing for God. Hey, can I just say, like, people need to be wowed by Jesus, not me. They don't need to see me. But when I'm wanting people to recognize and see me, I'm just grabbing that invitation and making it all about myself. Here's another way that we make it all about me. When I'm here for my needs. When I'm just here for my needs. I'm focused on what I get out of it. You know, maybe we don't have a culture of invitation sometimes because... I'm not really thinking about you. I'm not thinking about serving you. I'm not thinking about helping you. That doesn't mean a whole lot to me because my priority is when I come to church, when I come to small group is is my benefit. What I get out of it. I'm thinking about me. Are these people going to care for me? Are these people going to pay attention to me? Are these people going to encourage me? Are they going to be my friend when I'm lonely? Are they going to love me? Are they going to help me when I need it? When I'm Uh, Are they going to listen to me when I just need somebody to talk to or when I've got a great, awesome idea that somebody needs to listen to Listen, These are great things. I'm, I'm denying that there might be benefits. The question is not about benefits. The question is about priority, right? Is it me first or is it you first? If I'm coming to church or if I'm coming to small group for me first, then eventually, inevitably, I'm going to be offended or disappointed by you. And instead of inviting people to church, instead of inviting people and creating this culture of invitation, my interest level in church tanks because the church fails to keep me interested and meet my needs. And then we just kind of give up even on small group altogether because it's like, well, I'm just not finding what I'm looking for. I'm not getting, it's just not working for me. I don't know, like these people, I just, we just don't connect or uh, it's just not my stage of life they, they don't seem to reciprocate uh, my, my, my trying to build a friendship with them. And, and they're, I, I, I don't know, it, it, there's just too many obstacles for trying to hang out with them and it's, and it's too hard and it's, it's too far a distance and, and it's just not working for me. And you give up on it. But if it's me first, I won't be inviting others because others aren't on my mind. And look how we treat people when I make it all about me and my needs saw uh, little, little McGee and how he treated the old, little old lady who got to the chair first. And we just like step on people to make sure that I get taken care of first, right? I need to make sure that I'm getting what I need. Nobody wants to be a party of me, monsters. Instead, Jesus tells us this truth here, verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be humble exalted. So can I just trust that in the end God's just going to make it right? He's going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory in this. It's incredible to be a part of a a community of humble servants who aren't thinking of themselves and not looking for recognition and praise. They kind of set aside their own cares and concerns um, to reach out because they care about other people. And there are moments, I'm sure you've had this experience where you you know somebody's going through it, but even though they're going through something really difficult, they're still they still got a smile on their face. They're still like being a blessing and encouraging other people and serving. You ever you ever experienced that? I got to pick on her, like Miss Lily. I think about you a lot in this. I know this, like I'm not trying to embarrass you, but uh, like there are times I'm like, man, I need to be serving Miss Lillia. She 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 has me. I want I want to encourage her. She's constantly blessing me and my family. And I'm like, I should be serving you, and you're serving me. That's the kind of community. So when you get invited, don't make it all about you. God's going to use that kind of humility to create a culture of invitation. Well, here's the second ingredient. When you're inviting, invite the uninvitables. I'll give you a minute to spell that. Yes, I made that word up. It's not in the dictionary. You're not going to find it, okay? But I think it's going to make sense when you see it. Okay, this is what Jesus says in verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him. So now he turns his attention to the host and he says, "When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind." And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So so here he is, he's, he's, he's turning to the host attention, telling you, okay, when you're sending out the invites now, there's some people you don't need to invite. And what he's not saying is that you, you should never hang out with your friends, you should never hang out with your family, or, or anybody that you like. Like, like bro, I can't, like, don't make me like you, man, because if we start having fun, I'm not allowed to hang out with you anymore. That's not what God is saying. What he is saying is, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. So what's happening is Jesus is looking around at all the guests who are there at the party and he's starting to put two and two together and figuring out why, recognizing why the host had invited them. It's pretty obvious, right? Like, like that guy's got designer sandals or, or, or this guy's got like uh, some extra bling on his prayer shawl. Like, I don't know what it was that he would have been seeing, but it was pretty obvious, like, oh, okay, so you're, you're inviting that guy. Now, there's nothing wrong with inviting people that you like, inviting people that you want to be around. Nothing wrong with that. But what he's trying to say is, don't only invite the people that will benefit you. He's got a bow? Let's, let's make friends with that guy, right? Or, or those people, they're so cool. They're so, they're like, look at them. Like, they got so many friends. Like, We need to hang out. Those, did you see? They... They take their friends out to Roost Chris Steakhouse. Like those are the kind of friends that we want to make, right? We're always and we just kind of do this instinctively. We don't even think about it. We walk in and we start judging and analyzing people based on what clothes they're wearing and 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 who their friends are and, and, and their personalities and, and and how popular they are and how old they are and what car they drive and and, and we just start making all of these, these assessments about these people and we're trying to figure out in our heads, do I really want to hang? Do I? Do I want to be with those people? Would they benefit me or are they they just weird? Do they they like the same things I do? Uh, Are they going to accept me? Are they going to make me feel good? Is that the kind of person that I want to hang out with? And then we start forming my people. You, you, you got my people. These are my people. And then it gets worse because we start closing off the circle. These are my people. These are the people that I hang out with. You don't think this happens in church? Man, this will kill a culture of invitation when we're only hanging out with the people who I like, the people who benefit me. We're back to just self-interest, and we just learned. Don't make it all about you, right? And so what Jesus says instead, verse 13, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Those people are the Uninvitables. Nobody else wants to hang out with them. What Jesus was suggesting was socially unacceptable. You don't invite these kind of people. They're needy. They take work. They drain you. You, you, you gotta try to help pay for them. You're gonna have to help them with their wheelchair and you gotta think about what they can do and what they, what they can't do and you gotta slow down and wait for them and they can't keep up their hygiene and they don't have a whole lot of friends and your worlds are completely different. You probably don't have a lot in common. These are people who didn't make the list and Jesus is saying, you put them on your list first. What if we were a church What if we were a church that it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter how much work it would take to be your friend, how much work you're going to need in order to care for you. It doesn't matter. You are loved and you are welcome here. We want you here. What if we were a church like that? Can I I let you know a little secret? We are a church like that. Because do you know what the gospel has done? Think about what Jesus has done for me. God did not invite me because he he was so impressed by me or because he thought I'd be fun to hang out with or he thought that I would make him look good or even because he thought I had so much potential. I am a drain. I am needy. I am rebellious. I'm a mess. I am an uninvitable, but Jesus wanted me. We're all a bunch of uninvitables, but he wants us. He invites us. He wants you. Do you know that? Why don't you put your hand on the person next to you and just let him know he wants you. He wants you. We're creating a culture of invitation here at Harvest, which means we're not just picking out people that we'd rather be around out of some self-serving motives, but we're extending the invitation that we've received out of love. We're just inviting and loving the uninvitables. That's okay. Can I just ask you, are you going to be okay with hanging out with some people that you probably wouldn't have picked to hang out with? Is that okay with you? Listen, when we get into small groups, this is where the the church gets messy. You're going to start realizing that you're weird too, okay? I love you. We can all just hang out together and start to extend this invitation, no matter who they are. Now, don't get offended if you get invited to a small group this week. It's not what you think it is, okay? (laughs) Let me give you the third ingredient for creating a culture of invitation. RSVP and pass out the invitations with urgency. RSVP yourself. and let's go pass out those invitations with urgency. Here we are, verse 15. When one of those who had reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Hey, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Okay, so here's what's going on. Jesus just successfully wrecked this party. Everybody's sitting here thinking, like, who invited this guy? He just, he just insulted all the guests. He also insulted the host now. And, and, and there's now, like, this like painfully awkward moment of silence and tension, and, and, and everybody's trying to, like, avoid eye contact. They're like, I cannot believe he just said that. Can you believe he just said that? You can, like, pop the tension with a pin. And there's one guy, there's always one, who decides, like, hey, I'm going to get some relief here. We need a little bit of relief. So he just says, it, hey, blessed is everybody who eats bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, i got a story for that too. And they're like, shut up, dude. Shut up. Verse 16, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And the first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry, and he said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in, watch this, the poor and crippled, and blind and lame. And the servant said, "Sir, what, what, what you commanded has been done, and still there's room." And the master said to the servant, "Go out to the highway and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled, for I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet." So this parable is like directed right at the Pharisees now. What he's trying to say to him is, "You missed it." Because you didn't want to come. You didn't want my kingdom. And he demonstrates. You see these excuses. Verse 18. They start making these. These are lame excuses, by the way. Guy comes up and he's like, "Ah, the party sounds fun, but man, I got to go check out this plot of dirt. I got a couple of cows I got to go check on. Man, I can't come tonight. I just got married. Whoa, whoa, dude no questions. These are lame excuses. I think about when I was in college, I, was, I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I had a friend, she called me up, and, and she was working, uh, she, she was helping out um, a guy named Scott Williamson, who at the time was, was a, a, a pitcher um, for the Cubs. And you can see his picture of it, we'll get it up there. Uh, the, he, he was, uh, the season had just ended, and uh, she calls me up and lets me know, like, they're moving back to Cincinnati and, and he needs help uh, loading up the U-Haul so that he can uh, get back home and, and he'll pay you if you're able to come. I'm like, sure, i nothing yeah, better to do. So I hop in a cab and I go and I start helping this guy uh, loading up his U-Haul. Well, then he comes out at one point and he says, man, I'm really sorry, but uh, me and my family, we need to, we, we've got to go to Wrigley Field and take some family pictures. Um, you want to just come along with us? Now, I am not a Cubs fan. Not much of a Cubs fan, at least. But even I know that if you get an invitation to Wrigley Field to go hang out in the clubhouse and go out on the field and to stroke the ivy, listen, I'll tell you what I did not tell him. I did not tell him, man, I'd love to, but I got some homework to do. No, when you get an invite, you go. So if you've got an awesome invite and you turn it down, it's because you don't want it. And it's kind of a warning for us Don't miss the kingdom because you're so distracted by this world. There's nothing better than Jesus. So so the the warning is out there for you now. Trust Christ for salvation. He is the way that you would have salvation and be a part of his kingdom. That's how you send in your RSVP. But then he says, verse 21, so he's like, okay, so these guys don't want it. They're going to give me their lame excuses. So verse 21, he says, go out and then invite the, basically the uninvitables. And they're like, well, we did that. So he says, verse 23, well, go out to the highways and hedges. Now that would have been outrageous for the Pharisees to hear. Because they got it. Jesus is basically telling them, like, look, like you, it's going to be the people that you didn't expect. It's going to be the uninvitables are going to come. They're going to be a part of it. It's going to be even the Gentiles, the people that you think are least worthy, least deserving of it. I also think that this principle is in play for us as God's servants here's what we're called to verse 23 look at it again the master said to the servant I think he says to us go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in let me can I just like demonstrate what this word means this word compel here's what it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you take a little door hanger, and, and at Easter time, we go up, and, and we're like, stick it, run, and come to church. We'd love you to like come to church. Like That's not what this word means. The word means you push. It means pull. It means put some effort into it. You're, you're telling them, come on. You've got to come. This is your only chance. This is it. There's nothing better than Jesus. We've got to pass out the invitations with urgency. That's what he's called us to. He's saying, forget your lame excuses and get on mission to get the invites out. And if we wanna have a culture of invitation, we gotta have some urgency to go and to invite people to come and to worship Christ. Come on, we want you to be here on Sundays. And I may may have the opportunity to give you an invitation to trust Jesus for salvation. I want you to be a part of a community. Come walk with Christ in community with us. We've gotta have some urgency in getting these invitations out. I'm told that 20% of churches in the D.C. metro area are growing. Only 20%. One out of every five churches has experienced any growth, has baptized anybody in the last few years. Do you know what that means? That means it's pretty special. To be a part of a church where God is at work, where we're seeing lives changed. That's an awesome thing that we would rejoice in. And I know like no, it, numbers do not automatically indicate real growth. I, I know that. But we want to reach more people. We want to reach more people with the gospel, not just swapping sheep with other churches, okay? Like, like, yes, if if they're part of a church that's preaching the gospel, they need to stay there and be in their community and proclaim the gospel with that, be on mission. If they're in a church that's not preaching the gospel, that's not lifting high the name of Jesus, then we want them here. We want to be in a church where they're under the preaching of God's word, where they are lifting high Jesus in worship and they're getting on mission. We want them to be a part of that, but we want to see lost people saved. That's what we want to see. I, I, I was up in Chicago, and J.D. Greer was really challenging us on this one. He was saying, guys, we, like in the church world, we got to stop fighting over our little slice of the pie of all the Christians in our area. we got to grow the pie. We want to see new, pe- new believers, people that have not trusted in Jesus for salvation. We want to invite them to come and experience a Savior. And if we get serious about inviting them, you better get ready to scoot over on the couch and make room for new people, right? which means we're gonna start new small groups. So I'm, I'm just kind of like, this is like a little warning here. This is awesome. We're multiplying. This is coming this fall. In fact, we like right now, we have four groups that are well over max capacity that we have four groups that are averaging like 15, 16 people and we just have to keep shoving new people into them. Guess what? We're gonna be multiplying. We're gonna be starting new small groups and that's exciting for us to be a part of. And I know, I know the temptation. I know what it feels like. you like, but, but I like the group the way it is. That, like, new people will just mess up what I've got. I know they will. I know they will. But we got to be careful because that kind of an attitude will kill a culture of invitation. And just remember the invitation that you've received. And can I just tell you, I understand. I personally get it. Carissa and I have been here now for a year and a half. And we, in a year and a half, we've been a part of three different small groups. Can I just tell you, like, it's hard when you make the change and you know, like, ah, oh, like we've, been, we've been hanging out with you once a week, every week, and now we're, we're not going to do that anymore. But, but can I just tell you, like, I, I get it. It hurts. It's not easy. But we've had some sweet new relationships because of it. And we're seeing the church grow. I'm so thankful that God is allowing us to be a part of this. And can I just tell you, like, if, if, you're, if you're feeling like, if you're feeling like I'll, I'll lose something, you don't have to lose any of these relationships. We just make room for new ones. We have some urgency to see more people following Christ. God is going to use our humility and our love and our urgency to invite others to follow Him. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I know a lot of you got your pens and you got your phones out. Would you just write something down here? I want you to write one thing down. I want you to write down that name of that person that you know you can invite? Now look at me. Look at the paper. Write it down. Who's someone that you could be inviting? Who's somebody that you could be reaching out to and say, I want you to come. I want you to be a part of what God is doing in our church. Maybe it's somebody in, in the church and, and you, you're, you don't know if they're in a small group. Like just, I'm going to invite them. And we're just making a commitment, like today. Today, I'm going to invite whoever that is. Today. They say, well, I'm not going to see them until Wednesday. Okay, there's this really sweet little invention uh, called a phone. If they're younger than 35, don't send them an email, okay? Because if you send an email to somebody younger than 35, that just basically is telling them, this really isn't that urgent. I don't need you to respond to this. I just needed to get this off of my to-do list and put it on yours, okay? So, so if they are younger than 35, let's just send them a text. Okay, that'll work. Uh, just call him. And then you're going to see him on Wednesday. And the next time you see this person, we're, just, we're trying to create this culture of invitation and it can start with you. Okay? We're thankful to be a part of what God is doing and just excited about this new school year. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. Father, would you, uh, would you use us? We love the fact that you have been extended an invitation to us that we could never earn, never deserve. That you cared about us. Lord, I thank you that I am an uninvitable, but you wanted me. You're just an awesome Savior. And the fact that you want to use us, God, I'm praying that we would have humility, that we wouldn't make it all about us. I wouldn't be just coming for what I get out of it, my benefit. Lord, that I'd be thinking about others. And I'd even think about the people that I didn't think about the first time I thought about. People that I probably wouldn't have invited God would you put those people on our hearts Lord I pray that you would light a fire of urgency that we would be your church and go make disciples of all nations what a sweet thing that you want to use us to accomplish your mission Lord we're going to do it we want to follow you we want to trust you but Lord we need your help Would you give us the strength? Would you give us that passion, that urgency to go even today? And Lord, we want to make sure that you get the glory. It's not to us, but to your name. In the strong name of Jesus,